is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. I want to thank my friend, WJNO's the best, Mr. Mudd. I want to thank you very much. He's a good buddy. I was thinking uh, for this Sunday's Life, Liberty, and Levin, having four guests, Mr. Producer. And I think it would be the highest rated program in the history of cable TV. Joe Biden, Mitch McConnell, John Fetterman, and Dianne Feinstein. All four of them. How do you think that would go? Maybe I'd have to save that for late night, don't you think? As funny as that sounds, isn't it pathetic? Anyway, I hope you had a good weekend. My wife and I went to the Jersey Shore, Atlantic City, Ventnor, Margate. I haven't been there in years and years and years. We had a wonderful time. And we left on a Friday and we came back on Sunday because I don't like all these backups. And uh, really it kind of recharges your, your batteries. You know, two weeks left till the release of The Democrat Party Hates America. So preseason for the book is coming to an end. Very excited about it. We'll talk a little bit more about it. But we've had about a two-month preseason, a little touch here and a little touch there. But now we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty. America, the spending, borrowing, taxing, yearly deficit, overall debt is so out of control, I don't know that we can ever claw out of this. Now, we have a lot of stuff going on in this country. But this is one of the areas that most of the media find boring or incomprehensible, so they just kind of play inside baseball. Is there going to be a government shutdown? Is there not going to be a government shutdown? The Senate Republicans, they want to do a short-term spending bill, but the House Republicans... Are... Okay. Let's start with their propaganda and try and undress it. A government 
shut down. The government never shuts down. I wish it would. The government, hello, the government never shuts down. Parts of it might. Most of it does not. And the parts that do shut down are intended to impose the greatest amount of panic, fear, pressure on the American people. So the Washington get all the money at once. So the bureaucrat, <laughs> bureaucrats can get all the money they want. And we go on to the next and the next and the next. Now they, they didn't mind as I've told you before. When they shut down the private sector. They didn't mind when they shut down schools including elementary schools. They didn't mind setting back the nation's youngest generation back 18 months in terms of quality and of education and competency in reading, writing, and arithmetic. They didn't mind that. They didn't mind shutting down places of worship. They didn't mind destroying small businesses, particularly restaurants and hotels and so forth. They didn't mind all the damage they did to the private sector, America. <laughs> and they shut it down for months. Months. Oh, the government shut down. Here's the deal. All the bureaucrats know this. All the politicians know this. You may not. If there's an actual shutdown in the sense that 80 3% of the federal government continues, ladies and gentlemen. 17% does not. I got that from Paul Ryan, the former head of the... You know, former speaker, but also former head of the Ways and Means Committee. On this program years ago, he said, you know, over 80% of the government goes on. The entitlements go on. That is Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. Other spending, VA benefits go on. All that continues. The military goes on. The essential personnel stay. And for the federal government, you know, that's 83% of them. But the federal government won't go bankrupt. All it has to do is cut its spending. Now we'll get into this again because it kind of happened again. But first, let's begin with the shutdowns. In 1976, the federal government was shut down under the presidency of Gerald Ford for 10 days. We're still here, America. Ooh, look at that. We're still here. In 1977, under Jimmy Carter, the federal government shut down for 12 days. 1977, shortly after that shutdown, it shut down for another eight days. So in September that year, it shut down 12 days. In October that year, it shut down 8 days. And guess what, under Carter? In December of that year, it shut down another 8 days. Then, the following year under Carter, 1978, in October, it shut down for 18 days. Oh my gracious goodness. 1979 under Carter, it shut down another 11 days. What was going on here? Carter went after these... uh, 
these feather bedding projects of the government. You know, Iran on a uh, on a budget plan that would start from zero, zero-based budgeting, he called it. He had problems from Democrats and Republicans. He shut down the government a lot. Total of 60 days out of four years. Then the great Ronald Reagan comes in. Congress wants to spend money on everything but defense. 1981, he shuts down the government for two days in November. 1982, he shuts down the government for one day, September 30 to October 2. Again, 1982. December, he shuts it down three more days. 1983, shuts it down three days. 1984, shuts it down two days. 1984, again, later, shuts it down one day. 1986, he shuts it down one day. 1987, he shuts it down one day. Here we are, America. Federal government's been shut down about 80 days until that point. Can you imagine? President George H.W. Bush shuts it down for three days in 1990. Bill Clinton shuts it down for five days in 1995. 95-96, Clinton facing off with Newt Gingrich. They shut it down for three weeks. 21 days. George H.W. Bush, advised by Karl Rove and The other lightweights never vetoed a spending bill, never shut down the government, and spending went through the roof. McConnell says the government will never be shut down. Not while he's shuffling along. And the pallbearers behind him, I've called them pallbearers before, Mitch McConnell was staring into the space. They have said the same thing. And of course, Chris Sununu, who's now the philosopher king for rhinos on my favorite network and all other networks for that matter, because he's a putz. He says it would be a bad idea to shut down the government. Bad idea to impeach Biden. Can't we just all get along? So Barack Obama shuts down the government, <clears throat> excuse me, for 16 days. 16 days. That's actually Ted Cruz who does that, Mr. Producer. Brave, brilliant, and right. Because Cruz was trying to repeal Obamacare. He was attacked by the Wall Street Journal editorial page. Why? More putzes. He was attacked. By the ruling class, by the rhinos, by the corporatists. They all pretend they don't want big government, but they love it. They lavish in it. They swim in it like pigs in mud. 2018, Donald Trump. One day the government was shut down. 2018 again. Three days the government was shut down. Trump again. December 22 to January 25. 34 days the government was shut down. So, ladies and gentlemen, this comes from the Congressional Research Service. They're never wrong. What are we going to do if they shut it down again? Oh, my God! What will happen? Nothing. 
It'll be another weekend. We just had a three-day weekend, did we not, America? It's called Labor Day, which means you don't work on Labor Day. It's oxymoronic, but I understand. Labor Day, where we're, nobody's going to labor. Hey! But anyway, three days where the government was shut down. Did any of you try and make a call to the EPA? No answer. Department of Agriculture? No answer. Social Security Administration? No, they were closed. Your local Medicare up? Nope, closed. Medicare? Nope, closed. Anybody try to make a call to the White House? Nah, closed. The White House closed. How about Capitol Hill? Nah, nope, they're out. Closed. Wow. How about DHS and all the illegal? Nah, not answering. Closed for three days. And here we are. We call it a holiday. Shouldn't we call a government shutdown a holiday? It's like, whew, at least the IRS will stay up my ass. Whew, left, at least the FBI won't knock down my door. Whew. Whew, at least some liberal in some federal court won't throw me in jail. Okay, I'm all right. I'm all right. Shut down. Good. And when Congress isn't meeting, that means we have more of our liberty. But notice, in all seriousness, how they treat private sector shutdowns and government shutdowns. I've made this point repeatedly. The private sector shutdowns for two years were called righteous. Anybody who opposed them was called selfish. Selfish. And in fact, the more you shut down, the more you forced people out of work, the more you sheltered businesses, the more money you got from the government. Which we're paying for today, many ways. Now why would it be righteous to do exactly the opposite? Shut the government down. Because you'll deny resources to the politicians and the bureaucrats who are destroying our economy. We're destroying your pension plans. We're destroying your paychecks. We're driving up the cost of food and fuel and utilities, basics, because they won't stop spending and borrowing. And there's not enough tax money on planet Earth to pay for what they're doing. Not enough. When we come back, I want to tell you just how bad it is. We'll be right back. Lovin. You know what helps me sleep well at night? Physical gold. I'm concerned about what the Biden administration is doing, and I've decided to learn more about gold IRAs to help me diversify. Did you know you can buy gold for your IRA or 401k? Gold can't be tracked like digital currency. No one has to know what you're buying, and there's no way to print more. My best resource for gold IRAs is Augusta Precious Metals. Their track record is no less than phenomenal. Learn why thousands of Americans are getting gold IRAs as part of the retirement portfolios 
Metals, and you need to contact Augusta Precious Metals and get their free guide. I'm serious. Text LEVIN to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. LEVIN to 68592, or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. That's AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Daily Caller, the federal government's deficit for fiscal year 2023, that would be this year, is set to double. Thanks largely to large amounts of government spending greenlit by the Biden administration, according to budget experts surveyed by the Washington Post. The deficit will most likely reach $2 trillion, doubling from last year's $1 trillion deficit because of Joe Biden's increased government spending on the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, which, by the way, he praises, as well as higher Social Security payments due to elevated inflation, according to the Post. This deficit jump is one of the largest in a time outside of major crises, such as wars and recessions, and signals a further increase in interest rates and more economic difficulties in the near future. A debt growing much faster than the economy will drive up interest rates, reduce economic investment, and over time make interest payments the largest federal expenditure, risking a federal debt crisis. Brian Rydell, an economist for the Manhattan Institute, said to the Washington Post. The recent deficit jump could potentially impact Biden's hope for real life. Now, they get right into the politics. But so does Biden. Biden and the White House and his administration have already begun a full-scale propaganda campaign. That if the government is shut down, you're going to lose your pension. That if the government's going to shut down, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. Well, do you remember what happened the almost 80, 90 times before when the government shut down? That's number of days. 21 occasions when the government shut down under Republicans and Democrats? Nothing. Zero. There's nothing to remember. This is Washington, D.C., the Washington, D.C. media, the Democrat Party monopoly with the rhino never-Trumpers all together in chorus demanding that we spend and spend and spend until the whole roof blows off the place. You know what helps me sleep well at night? Physical gold. I'm concerned about what the Biden administration is doing, and I've decided to learn more about gold IRAs to help me diversify. Did you know you can buy gold for your IRA or 401k? Gold can't be tracked like digital currency. No one has to know what you're buying, and there's no way to print more. My best resource for gold IRAs is Augusta Precious Metals. Their track record is no less than phenomenal. Learn why thousands of Americans are getting gold IRAs as part of the retirement portfolios 
shows, and you need to contact Augusta Precious Metals and get their free guide. I'm serious. Text LEVIN to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. LEVIN to 68592, or go to com. That's AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Mark Levin, tough as hell. That's why I like Mark Levin. And I'm not sure a lot of people like him. He's tough as hell. But I like him. I love him. Call in now. 877-381-3811. Listen to this, folks. These numbers are unimaginable. We've never seen anything like this in American history. Ever. The government, meaning the Biden regime has spent $1.61 trillion more than it brought in since October 2022, marking a 122% deficit increase, according to the Department of Treasury. Now, here's an economic advisor to former President Obama. He says, to see this in an economy with low unemployment is truly stunning. There's never been anything like it, says Jason Furman. A good and strong economy with no new emergency spending and yet a deficit like this? The fact that it is so big in one year makes you think it must be some weird freakish thing going on. No, it's called Marxism, you idiot. It's called modern monetary policy, which is really another word for Marxism. Economic socialism. So there's going to be enormous pressure on the Republicans in the House, particularly the conservatives, to buckle. And I'm going to stand with them. 100%. With the conservatives in the House. This cannot go on, because the nation will not go on. If you're against massive inflation, if you're against destroying people's pensions... Social Security recipients and so forth. If you're against the massive increase in food prices. And utilities. And gasoline and products across the board. Then you have to support a government shutdown. Because that's where McConnell is taking us. With Schumer. Because remember McConnell is a creature. Of special interests and big spenders in Washington D.C. That's it. That's who he represents. And of course, Schumer is a Marxist. And Biden is leading the charge. He and his Politburo of Obama and Sanders types. So the only people who are going to hold the line are the conservatives in the House of Representatives. Now let's see the men from the boys and the women from the girls. Let's see who's who now in the Republican House of Representatives. I haven't talked to Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy and I don't talk very much. I'm a big fan of his, but here the rubber hits the road. The rubber hits the road, and he will be under enormous pressure. It's just time to do the right thing and to explain it to the American people. I do understand That the American media, which is based in Washington, D.C., has its cheerleaders in New York and L.A., 
its media colleagues, but I do understand the Washington, D.C. media want massive spending. You need to understand, folks, that the the ruling class in Washington, and that includes more than the bureaucrats and federal contractors, that even includes more than the politicians. It includes their staff. It includes the Washington Post, the media outlets. It includes a massive bureaucratic industry that's been built around this government. I understand that they want more and more and more, and you're to have less and less and less. I got it. But I don't accept it. Now, what the Democrats are going to do is they're going to go to an old playback book. It's time the Republicans figure it out. They're going to go to an old playbook and blame the Republicans for all the problems. So what the Republicans need to do is prepare and prepare now to explain that the Democrats are massively increasing the size, the wealth, the power of Washington, D.C. against every other city, against all the states, against the middle class, working people, union, non-union, blue-collar, white-collar, doesn't matter. Washington, D.C. has brought us this horrendous economy, Bidenomics. Bidenomics. No matter how many times Joe Biden mumbles about the great effects of Bidenomics, everybody knows better. Because they're living Bidenomics. They're living it. Nobody gives a damn what the Wall Street Journal editorial page has to say about government shutdowns. They've been wrong, wrong, and wrong again. Besides, it's called the Wall Street Journal, not the Main Street Journal. Nobody cares what these these long-in-the-tooth editorial writers, columnists, news writers have to say to continue to support the destruction of our economic system and your way of life. This truly is What goes on in Washington, the wealthy elite versus everybody else. And I don't say that as class warfare. I say that as a practical reality. People become wealthy, multimillionaires, billionaires, corporatists, because your money is washed through, it's laundered through Washington and pushed out to somebody else. That's Marxism. That's redistribution of wealth. That's class warfare. I support capitalism, the market system. This destroys the market system. This creates economic dislocation. This strangles the golden goose. The more money Washington takes out of the private sector, and the more money Washington borrows... The value of the currency goes down. That is whatever you have in the bank, whatever you have in your pension. You've already seen it. People don't know what to do. Well, it's only going to get worse. Unless somebody puts their foot down. And if it's not the Republican establishment, 
which has participated in this for decades, it's going to be the conservatives. With my full 100% support. I'm not saying they'll get everything they want. But it's a period of education for the American people. It's a period of persuasion. And if the government shuts down 5 days, 10 days, 15 days, it's been as high as 36 days, okay. You folks in the private sector... Many of you lost your jobs. Many of you lost your businesses. Nobody gave a damn. Just keep wearing that mask, baby. Nobody gave a damn. All these people in the federal Leviathan, you're going to see the interviews. They're going to, they're going to show you the crocodile tears. How, how am I going to make ends meet? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? They're all going to be recompensed. That is... They're all going to get their money back at some point. They always do. How many of you live like that in the private sector? You get your money back. You get your money back. Yeah, you get your money back. Joe Biden's handing out hundreds of billions of dollars on uh, student loans. I like the way they call it relief. They're stealing your money to help somebody else pay off their loan and that somebody else probably earns more money than you do. Where's that money coming from? Nowhere. He was even told by the Supreme Court to cut it out, but he doesn't cut it out. And so I'm sure we're going to have to return to this, and those of you who do acquire the copy of the Democrat Party Hates America, boy, I'll tell you what. I couldn't have written this book any better. You go to page 301 to page 308, and there is a concise yet deep discussion about this whole issue. And I want to remind you, reading from page 301, the debt, federal debt may seem like an obscure and boring topic, but it determines whether Americans will continue to enjoy economic prosperity especially for our children and grandchildren and generations yet born. Indeed, in May 2023, that's how updated this book is, the Government Accountability Office, GAO, released a report titled The Nation's Fiscal Health, which received virtually no media attention. Even today, they don't point to it, the news, the news groups. It's all about politics with them. It's not about substance. Report is a stark warning that the federal government is fiscally out of control. It begins with this statement. And that's before the numbers were coming in for this year. It says the federal government faces an unsustainable long-term fiscal future. At the end of fiscal 2022, debt held by the public was about 97% of gross domestic product. That is of every service product created in America. Projections from the Office of Management and Budget and the Department of the Treasury, the Congressional Budget Office and GAO, all of them, all show that current fiscal policy is, quote, unsustainable over the long term, unquote. Goes on. Debt held by the public is projected to grow at a faster pace than the size of the economy. Debt held by the public is projected to reach its historical high of 106% of GDP within 10 years, 
and continue to grow to an increasing pace. You know what we know now? It's growing even faster. $2 trillion this fiscal year. GAO projects that this ratio could reach more than twice the size of the economy. Twice the size of the economy in 28 years. Absent any changes in revenue and spending policies. Well, they're wrong. It's going to happen sooner. And you know what that means? You're going to be bartering. You're going to be searching your cupboards for maybe gold, sell some silver. When you consider this and the war on energy independence, the war on capitalism, The powers that the federal government has seized in the last two and a half years to regulate everything in your home and around your home and your home. That they already did a dry run in 2020, particularly in blue states, but not exclusively. And how far they can take their powers. It's frightening. In other words, if reckless and unconscionable federal spending and barring are not curbed and reversed, the federal government will drag the entire country into an economic and national security disaster. The GAO does not mince words here, which is rare for a federal agency. It further warns that if there's not a significant and immediate course change, the well-being of civil society will be at stake. The report finds that, quote, the fiscal year 2020 federal deficit was among the highest in American history. One trillion dollars in 2022. This year it's two trillion dollars. This occurred even though revenue growth has been strong and federal COVID-19 relief spending has declined. Two trillion dollar debt even though the federal COVID-19 spending this year is over. Over. So they've instituted these programs and they now have to pay for them. And so they're going to want to raise the debt ceiling. They will not cut the programs. And then they will tell you that the full faith and credit of the United States is on the line if we don't raise the debt ceiling and pay for every damn thing the Democrats have supported and McConnell and his rhinos. Rather than cut spending and cut programs. They won't do it. Do you know why they won't do it, America? Because the bureaucracy, their programs, the money, all belongs to the Democrat Party. It is the state party. It is the monopoly party. It owns every damn corner of the government except a little piece in the House of Representatives. I've got a lot written about this. And the Democrat Party hates America if you really want to be informed about it. It's over there at Amazon, and I'll be right back. Lovin.
You know what helps me sleep well at night? Physical gold. I'm concerned about what the Biden administration is doing, and I've decided to learn more about gold IRAs to help me diversify. Did you know you can buy gold for your IRA or 401k? Gold can't be tracked like digital currency. No one has to know what you're buying, and there's no way to print more. My best resource for gold IRAs is Augusta Precious Metals. Their track record is no less than phenomenal. Learn why thousands of Americans are getting gold IRAs as part of the retirement portfolios and you need to contact Augusta Precious Metals and get their free guide. I'm serious. Text LEVIN to 68592. Again, text L-E-V-I-N to 68592. LEVIN to 68592 or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. That's AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. If we had a functioning Congress, John Fetterman would be expelled for humanitarian reasons. Mitch McConnell would be removed as a leader of the Republican Party by the majority of the Republican caucus. But most of them are frauds. Dianne Feinstein is clearly on the other side of the mountain. She should be expelled for humanitarian reasons. And of course, the 25th Amendment was actually drafted, adopted, and ratified in order to deal with Joe Biden. A health issue. A mental issue. See, even a few decades ago, with enough responsible politicians who said, we cannot have a president of the United States who's an imbecile or is physically incapable of doing the job. But we don't have those kinds of politicians today. Instead, we have a ruling class that's all about the ruling class. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Why am I yelling? Our number, 877-381-3811. 14 days and counting, Mr. Producer. 14 days and counting. While I'm on this issue of economics, from the Daily Mail... Staggering figures. Ready for this one? It's Bidenomics. Reveal 1.2 million U.S.-born workers lost their jobs last month. Last month. Hold on, there's more. 
replaced by 688,000 foreign-born staff. Wait a minute. 1.2 million American citizens lost their jobs, replaced by 688,000 foreign-born staff as Joe Biden allows migrants to flood across the border. You know what? The media are disgusting. They have not once explained why Biden's doing it. Why is he doing it? Their lapdog sycophants at Mediate, their lapdog sycophants at Media Matters, their lapdog sycophants at MSLSD and the Constipated News Network, and all the rest of them. The New York Slimes, the Washington Compost. Why is Joe Biden doing this? Even New York is upset about it. Even Washington, D.C. is upset. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because now they see the effects. They didn't care when it was happening in red states. Oh, wait a minute. The media, such a, a, a monumental change in the country in every respect. And for the worse, for the migrants, for the children of the migrants, for what's happening to them, what's happening to women on the border, the lawlessness, the crime, the feces in the street. Casper, Wyoming's now had to move tons of feces out of the street. They have 200 homeless people there that were shipped there out in the middle of nowhere. That affects a small town relatively. It's hitting every corner of the country. You know where they need to have this? They're only in the newsrooms. We need illegal aliens, foreigners from all over the world, crapping in the newsrooms at the New York Times, the Washington Post, just crapping all over the place. Crapping in the studios of MSLSD and the constipated newsroom. Just crap all over the place. You know, my idea is this. Liberal policies should be allowed to apply to liberals. That is Marxist policies. Democrats should be forced to wear masks. They will, they have this mask fetish. Wear them. In fact, wear burqa. We don't want to look at you anyway. They should be forced to pay reparations. That's their party. They should pay 90% tax rates. That's what they think's fair. Their boy Bernie Sanders, Bernie the Red, then pay it. They should not be allowed to purchase anything that runs on fossil fuels. Anything. They should be required to be vegans or vegetarians. If they have guns, they should be required to give them up. Come on now. Their stinking rotten policies ought to be imposed on them. Then you see how fast they run from them. Look, I, I, I know a lot of people. Some distant family members. Distant. Liberals. Really Marxist, but they don't understand that. And man, they are money hungry. They are penny pinchers. They want land that doesn't belong to them. They buy real estate. They're flipping this. They're flipping that. They're making a fortune in New York. Making a ton. Making a ton. And they're radical Democrats. They attack Trump. They attack most Republicans. 
They hate Bibi Netanyahu and Israel. But you try and take one penny from these people, and they'll fight you to the death. Even when it comes to land. Land. I've got one friend, he's got, he's got relatives. They inherited this land. And my friend, he's been working that land day and night. He's, he's into the outdoorsman stuff. He's a hunter. He chops the wood. He does all this stuff. He loves it. He's up there in the winter. He's cleaner, clearing the roads so they can get, he can get in and out of there. Others can too. And he has to deal with people who are radical left-wing Democrats. Indeed, one of them has a crazy-ass left-wing Democrat for a kid. And they want to control everything. The land that they don't even work. They expect this guy to chop the wood for him. They're not interested in equity. They're not interested in community, unity. No, man, we want our peace, baby. And we want to control not only our peace, but your peace. See what I mean? This is typical. Typical. I call these people Mercedes Marxists. Have you noticed that, Mr. Producer? Look for the backbenchers to use that phrase at some point. But I call these people Mercedes Marxists. Because that's what they are. Redistribution of wealth is fine as long as it's yours. Or as long as it's, it's redistributed to them. It's okay. Massive taxes are okay as long as they're not taxes on them. Otherwise they're all for it. Control over oil companies, drug companies. Oh, that's great. Now, boy, oh, boy, do I want the low cost of fuel, and I want drugs whenever I need them, and I want them to, to be free. Free. Staggering figures reveal 1.2 million. This is Daily Mail. I didn't get it the New York Times. Didn't get it the Washington Post. Didn't get it CNN or MSNBC. Didn't get it from CBS. Didn't get it from all the rest of the creeps. The Anyway, the latest data showed that the decrease in the number of native-born workers month-on-month month has dropped to lows not seen since April 2020, a.k.a. the pandemic. The increase in foreign-born people working in the U.S. this summer, 668,000, is the highest July to August jump in years and years. Staggering figures. 1.2 million U.S.-born workers lost their jobs last month while the foreign-born workforce increased by 700,000 as migrants continue to flood across the border under the Biden administration. Between July and August, there was a staggering decrease. 1.223 million, to be clear. Unbelievable. The number of U.S.-born workers in employment had previously been steadily increasing since January when the figure 
set at 130 million. This jumped to 131.1 million in April, peaking in July at 132.25 million. Employment in this category was back down to 131.03 million in August. By comparison, the number of farm-born workers has been increasing. What's going on in the corporatists? They're paying these people under the table. It's just easy to get rid of uh, citizens. Now, this is what the Democrat Party, at least at the national level, supports. On the one hand, they go, Biden's out there. He's in Philadelphia, my home city, talking to AFL-CIO members, talking about, oh, the unions, baby, the unions, the unions. Because he relies on the unions. He always did as a punk from Wilmington. They carried him over the finish line for his first election, the unions. Whatever the unions want, Biden delivers. Well, let me ask you this, unions. Do you like this? Where American citizens are losing their jobs, but those born in other countries are massively coming into the country and taking those jobs? What do you think of that? That's Bidenomics. It's Bidenomics. It's working. If you want to destroy America, it's working. If you want to destroy the middle class, it's working. If you want to destroy hard-working men and women to get dirt under their nails and scrape their knuckles, it's working. You want people who, who work in grocery stores, janitors, electricians, plumbers, truckers, you don't want them working? Then it's working. In addition to massive inflation... And massive debt that's going to cause more economic dislocation. While he's destroying the energy sector. Driving up the cost of fuel. And soon we'll have our brownouts and blackouts. And soon we'll have our even days and odd days for gasoline. Maybe even for air conditioning. And soon we'll have our housing and urban development. A backwater cabinet position. Issuing zoning directives. For the sake of the country. The water, the air, and for the sake of preserving energy, you shall not build homes bigger than X. You shall not build single-family homes. You shall live in increasingly dense... Folks, I'm not Nostradamus, but I know my history. Any government that has the power to regulate household products out of existence as the power to destroy your lifestyle. Any government that has the power to regulate fossil fuels out of existence and the things that use fossil fuels, like automobiles, out of existence as the power to destroy your lifestyle. Those of you who are having difficulty making ends meet, which is a lot of you, What can you do about it? I use this phrase hamster wheel. We're on a hamster wheel. We keep running in place. No matter how hard we run, we get nowhere. Seems like we're getting somewhere, but we're not getting anywhere. We're on the hamster wheel. And that's fine by the government. And by the government, I mean the Democrat Party. When we come back, I'm going to read something that I think is very, very important to you. Hope it is. 
I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Is your cell phone in desperate need of replacement? You know the signs, right? Short battery life, so you have to have a charger on hand. Crack screen that gives you glass splinters. Ouch. It's time to put that old phone to rest and upgrade to a new 5G Samsung Galaxy from Pure Talk for free. Get a free 5G Samsung Galaxy with two-day battery life, edge-to-edge display, and ultra-strong Gorilla Glass. When you sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, text, and 15-gig data plan for just 35 bucks a month, plus it comes with mobile hotspot. Get all the data you could ever need for half the price of the big carriers on America's most dependable 5G network. Make the switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk, today. Just dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin for your free, super durable 5G Samsung Galaxy when you switch to Pure Talk. Dial pound 250, say Mark Levin. Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless. All right, here I be. While there's not enough time in this segment to read to you what I wanted to read. But in Biden's America, Binomics, there's more. This looks to be from the Daily Caller, but I cut off the top. A supermarket chain, by the way, a supermarket chain that I frequently use. A supermarket chain has decided to remove popular household brands from a store in Washington, D.C., citing rising crime rates. The Ward 8 location of the grocery retailer, Giant Food, will no longer be carrying brands such as Tide Detergent, Colgate Toothpaste, or even Advil Ibuprofen. Over a continued rise in theft and crime rates, the Washington Post reported, must be racist. Companies previously waged shutting down operations after it lost 20% of its revenue. Isn't this sickening? Large companies, businesses that are institutions, Nordstrom's and Seattle and so forth, Gump in San Francisco, the giant food market that's been in the Washington area since forever. And we go down the list, and small businesses too, they have to shudder or they have to really defend themselves against these criminals, these, these craven crooks. And they're not allowed to use weapons or security guards, so they have to leave. Or they have to lock stuff behind glass. We want to continue to be able to serve the community, but we can't do so at the level of significant loss or risk to our associates that we have today, said Ira Kress, president of Giants Food. Giant Food operates 165 grocery store locations throughout Washington, Maryland, Virginia, has implemented changes in some of the stores, including hiring additional security guards, locking up more high-value items, Limiting the amount of items in the self-checkout area. The chain has also not had to close down any locations yet, but it looks like it's going to. I can tell you the giant that I go to, no more than 20 items in the self-serve, in the uh, self-checkout. Why? Because people are pocketing stuff. Despite trying, taking additional measures to try to deter people from shoplifting, Crest noted that a Ward 8 giant located on Alabama Avenue, that's a tough neighborhood, 
things are actually worse, not better. Now, you would think the community wants these stores. And I'll bet you the community does want these stores. But somebody's children, somebody's teenagers, somebody's young adults in their 20s are gathering with somebody else's. And they're breaking into these stores and they're stealing stuff. And until the parents do something about it, until that moron mayor does something about it, I know the police chief wants to do something about it. Uh, it's not going to stop. You know, you look at the migration. This, this causes me to think. When you look at the migration of Americans in the last several years, I don't think we've ever seen anything like this since the great movement from east to west. I don't mean everybody, but the settlers that moved from the east and went west. Or the great movement of the black population, particularly in the 30s and 40s from the south to the north. I don't think we've ever seen anything like this. Mostly Republicans, but others, trying to get the hell out of these areas as fast as they can. Then, of course, most of these people who escape to other parts of the country continue their stupid-ass voting habits. But you get my point. Other large companies have had to take measures such as closing their stores in various locations as theft and other crime problems increase. Whole Foods and Walmart announced the closure of several locations in in Chicago. Certain CVS and Target locations have also started locking up items like toothpaste and deodorant, citing retail theft problems. Little Supermarket revealed they would be leaving the Baltimore area over problems with theft and shoplifting. And these Soros prosecutors, when they announced, we're not going to prosecute anybody who steals under $1,500. Hey, Frank. Yes, Sally. Let's hit the store. Just make sure you watch the prices, will you? $14.99. After that, let's hit the next store. I'll be right back. Is your cell phone in desperate need of replacement? You know the signs, right? Short battery life, so you have to have a charger on hand. Crack screen that gives you glass splinters. Ouch. It's time to put that old phone to rest and upgrade to a new 5G Samsung Galaxy from Pure Talk for free. Get a free 5G Samsung Galaxy with two-day battery life, edge-to-edge display, and ultra-strong Gorilla Glass. When you sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, text, and 15-gig data plan for just 35 bucks a month, plus it comes with mobile hotspot. Get all the data you could ever need for half the price of the big carriers on America's most dependable 5G network. Make the switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk, today. Just dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin for your free, super durable 5G Samsung Galaxy when you switch to Pure Talk. Dial pound 250, say Mark Levin. Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless. Mark Levin, the thunder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. We're going to have a big interview on Hannity for about an hour. No, for an hour. Not this Friday, next Friday. On the Democrat Party Hates America. To run just a few days before the book is released. This is what Sean and I do with each other. His books and mine. 
And he just started reading it over the holiday. And he said, this is a brutal takedown. Brutal. It is a brutal takedown. It is a brutal truth-telling book about a poisonous, America-hating institution. It's always a hated America. Always. I'm going to read something to you. From the book again. Just here and there as I as I give you a little flavor. Jeff Deese, president of the Mises Institute, points out that when change is, is imposed by design, in furtherance of an agenda, we should strive to recognize it, regardless of whether we agree with that agenda. We should study and understand the distinction between the natural evolution of language over time and the imposition of politicized diction or usage through coordinated and intentional efforts. I point out that we see this language manipulation all around us. In our schools, places of work, news reports, TV and movies, etc. Right, Steast ultimately imposed language attempts to control our actions. When we broadly consider politically correct or woke worldviews, that is, an activist mindset concerned with promoting amorphous social justice. The linguistic element is straightforward. Political correctness is the conscious, designed manipulation of language intended to change the way people speak, write, think, feel, and act in furtherance of an agenda. Words are just a means to an end, in the end being actual changes in how we live our lives. These changes allow first from our thoughts, flow first from our thoughts, and even how we formulate our thoughts, then to our issued words, spoken or written, and ultimately to our actions. There's no clear dividing line between language and action, between our thoughts, words, and acts. All are interrelated, and those seeking to impose language understand this. In other words, they're seeking to impose thought and action. Like totalitarian regimes, I write, the truth is that the Democrat Party and its proxies understand that to own the language is to own the culture and society. Thus, Estists, who owns and controls language? Ideally, governments, politicians, academics, think tanks, journalists, religious leaders, or elite institutions should not possess this tremendous power. Like market processes, language should evolve without centralized designer control, only this natural evolution across time and geography can reveal the preferences of actual language in a society. Evolution is just, evolution is efficient, but language is an institution, and like any institution, it is subject to corruption and even capture by those with political agendas. The distinction between evolution and corruption, between spontaneous linguistic changes and the imposition of language to serve an agenda. And like I point out, totalitarian regimes also institute censorship to ensure their hold on power. That is to prevent intellectual pursuits, challenges to the government, and government orthodoxy, competing ideas, free speech generally. 
And as you can see, the Democrat Party is involved in all of this. Their media are involved in all of this. Their academics are involved in all this. Their government is involved in all of this. Now remember what happened with this so-called climate change. But the Democrat Party, I write, climate change is not about science. It is the most lucrative, limitless, and successful source of power and control over the individual, the economy, and consequently the American lifestyle. In his 2022 book, The Psychology of Totalitarianism, Matthias Desmet, professor of clinical psychology at Ghent University in Belgium, discusses the conditions of collective hypnosis of the masses, collective hypnosis. At its birth, he writes, science was synonymous with open-mindedness, with a way of thinking that banished dogmas and questioned beliefs. As it evolved, however, it also turned itself into ideology, belief, and prejudice. Science thus underwent a transformation, as all ideologies do. At first it was a discourse by which a minority defied a majority. Then it became the discourse of the majority itself. In the course of this transformation, scientific discourse aligned itself with objectives that were opposed to the original ones. It enabled manipulation of the masses, allowed people to build a career, promote products, spread deceptions, and belittle and stigmatize others. Whoever believes in an alternative medicine is an irrational fool. Indeed, even to justify segregation and exclusion, no access to public spaces unless you bear the sign that is a mask, a vaccine passport, of the scientific ideology. In short, the scientific discourse, like any dominant discourse, has become the privileged instrument of opportunism, lies, deception, manipulation, and power, he writes. To the extent the scientific discourse became an ideology, it lost its virtue of truth-telling. And you see this in the law, where the law is used by the state to commit state crimes against individuals, against Donald Trump, against protesters, or whatever. And I write, during the COVID-19 pandemic, what occurred especially in Democrat-governed blue states and cities was a power grab and violation of civil liberties, the likes of which most Americans living in these places had never before experienced. Governors shut down schools, religious gatherings, weddings, funerals. People died without family members present. They shut down beaches, parks, and outside stadiums. People could gather only in small numbers, if at all. Man, does that sound like Marxist or fascist society. Individuals were required to wear a mask in public places. Large numbers of businesses were forced to close. Many top scientists and statisticians who did not work for the federal or state governments questioned these practices. Most of them were ignored or denounced. Their credentials were challenged and their reputations were ruined. But now we know many were right. Many were right. Desmond explains that most exceptional thinkers throughout human history not only reached great intellectual achievements, they also assumed a unique humanistic and ethical stance with regard to the world and its material objects. They had the courage to set aside the prejudices and dogmas of the time. 
They admitted their ignorance, ignorance were curious and open to what phenomena have to, have to say for themselves. This not knowing gave birth to a new knowledge, a new knowledge for which they would do anything, for which they were to give up their freedom, sometimes even their lives. This newborn science, this budding knowledge, showed all the characteristics of what French philosopher Michel Foucault defines as truth-telling. And I write censorship in what I will call speech intimidation are a very important part of the Democrat Party's tactics, as with any tyrannical regime or party, as well as its media partners. Prime example involves the Twitter file scandal. This was a vast effort by the Biden administration to influence and control political speech and debate, especially during the 2020 presidential election and 2022 midterm elections. When Elon Musk purchased Twitter, he hired a few highly independent and respected journalists, albeit left-leaning, to review an enormous amount of the decision-making materials, and we know what happened there. And now Elon Musk is paying the price, America. He's under criminal investigation by Biden's stormtroopers in the Southern District of New York. His business is under investigation, SpaceX. by the Securities and Exchange Commission. The government's after him. Al Capone, they got him on taxes. So they're trying to get Elon Musk on taxes. A man worth over $100 billion, like he's cutting corners on SpaceX in this glass hexagon building that he built which clearly he meant for himself, not the company, they, they say. Really sickening. Again, just giving you a tiny little flavor of what's to come. And our countdown to the book's release on September 19th, The Democrat Party Hates America. It'll be out in 14 days. You can get your copy 40% off on Amazon.com, first edition but I suggest you act quickly because we know from past what happens. They sell out. We have multiple printings. Sometimes the discount goes away. Sometimes it does not. We have no way of knowing. And we have two great book signings, Mr. Producer, but I can't find the damn sheet. So maybe you can remind me and uh, I'll talk about it after the break. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Is your cell phone in desperate need of replacement? You know the signs, right? Short battery life, so you have to have a charger on hand. Crack screen that gives you glass splinters. Ouch. It's time to put that old phone to rest and upgrade to a new 5G Samsung Galaxy from Pure Talk for free. Get a free 5G Samsung Galaxy with two-day battery life, edge-to-edge display, and ultra-strong Gorilla Glass. When you sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, text, and 15-gig data plan for just 35 bucks a month. Plus, it comes with mobile hotspot. Get all the data you could ever need for half the price of the big carriers. On America's most dependable 
5G network. Make the switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk, today. Just dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin for your free, super durable 5G Samsung Galaxy when you switch to Pure Talk. Dial pound 250, say Mark Levin. Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless. Yeah, America. Yesterday morning, back from the weekend, I sat down for a few hours and I wrote a piece on this Section 314th Amendment. Now, as you know, we were the first to call attention to this. We saw what was starting to gather among the, uh, you know, the zombies in the uh, in the dark corners of the of the forest, and it was this dark money movement pushed by the Democrat Party and the Never Trumpers to try and ban Donald Trump from the ballots. Now, Mr. Producer's gone way back. We can pull the clips, but I'm not going to. Because you already know we're on top of these things. We look for these things. And we've been talking about it a long time. We've been talking about it here. Levin TV on the Blaze Network. Fox from time to time. So I said, I need to write a piece on this. And I want to talk to you about it in the next hour as well. Now, for those book signings, those of you who'd like to visit, I'd love to visit you. There's only going to be a total of three. Why? Well, why not? Uh, Saturday, September 23rd at 10 a.m. And you need to show up 10 a.m. sharp because I can only be there four or five hours. Bookends, Ridgewood, New Jersey. 211 East Ridgewood Avenue, Ridgewood, New Jersey. Bookends, Ridgewood, New Jersey. A wonderful town. Wonderful restaurants. Wonderful people. Wonderful police department. And of course us. Wonderful, beautiful people. The next day, the very next day, Sunday, September 24th. 1 p.m. sharp. Barnes & Noble. Tyson's Corner Center, that would be Tyson's Corner Mall in McLean, Virginia. Now, if these two places sound familiar, they should be. We always go to them. That's September 24th, Sunday at 1 p.m. Barnes & Noble at the Tyson's Corner Mall, McLean, Virginia. And then, of course, Saturday, October 21, we'll be at the Reagan Presidential Library. Uh, There's a few things left that you might be able to uh, get involved in. Uh, including a guaranteed spot in line where they actually let you know the time you need to be there so you're not standing in a line for five hours. Uh, You acquire your book from the Reagan Library, so the proceeds go to assist the Reagan Library Foundation. And you come in line, and we meet, and I sign your book. But you're guaranteed a place in line. And that... It's a fantastic site. It sells out quickly. We sold it out. The second fastest time in the history of the library. The first fastest time was my first time there, but this is, it was really fast. And we, uh, we look forward to seeing you all there. That's October 21. So I wanted to mention that as well. Where am I, Mr. Producer? All right, here we be. Here we be at. I love it when people say, where are you at? Is that right, Mr. Medusa? Where are you at? How about just where are you? I watch these, like the 48-hour show. These, where are you at? No, no. Where are you? 
Anyway, that's a little thing, I guess. We'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. This is the hour for you folks who really want to get deep and substant into a matter that very few people know or understand. And by the time I'm done, you'll know it and understand it better than anybody else. So as I said, we came back from a wonderful time in um, Atlantic City and Ventnor and Margate, my wife and I. And the next morning I said, I've talked about the Section 3, 14th Amendment disqualification of Trump issues, so-called, for a couple of years. I've written about it, talked about it more recently here on Levin TV, even on the Fox show, particularly with Hannity. But I need to write the killer piece. The piece that all the legal analysts will be peeking at and cherry-picking. <clears throat> and then they'll try and show us how smart they are. But you and I, we have a relationship, so I really wrote this for you. And I sent it to the folks at The Blaze, and they thanked me, and they, they posted it the very next morning, which is this morning. I want to thank those of you who have already read it. I want to thank the other platforms that have also sought the link to it. Those that didn't, well, screw off. Now, it's called the Democrat Party's fetish for the 14th Amendment is a vile attack on our elections directed at one man, Donald Trump. The The modern Democrat Party has an unhealthy fetish for the 14th Amendment, one of the three post-Civil War constitutional amendments. Democrats are constantly and relentlessly trying to rewrite it to accommodate their political ends. A few months ago, Joe Biden and his party insisted that Section 4 of the 14th Amendment granted the president power to unilaterally increase the debt ceiling. 
which would destroy Congress's sole power under Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution, as we've discussed, to tax, spend, and borrow. Of course, Section 4 of the 14th Amendment does no such thing, and there's nothing in the history of the amendment that supports such an interpretation. Here's the relevant language. The validity of the public debt of the United States, authorized by law, including debts incurred for payment of pensions and bounties for services, in suppressing insurrection or rebellion, shall not be questioned. But neither the United States nor any state shall assume or pay any debt or obligation incurred in aid of insurrection or rebellion against the United States, or any claim for the loss or emancipation of any slave, but all such debts, obligations, and claims shall be held illegal and void. So in other words, as I explain in my new book, The Democrat Party Hates America. Nobody was challenging the validity of the debt. Second, the language is specific to Civil War-related debt. Third, the language says nothing about fundamentally altering the way the federal government raises revenue or pays debt. Fourth, to repeat the language in legislative history in no way support the proposition that the core power of Congress was replaced or repealed. Fifth, the language does not and was never intended to abolish separation of powers which is core to our constitutional system. The proponents of this absurdity would have turned Biden into a bigger dictator than he already is. But none of this mattered to the proponents. They seek power at any course, and they will be using this again. The Democrat Party, their media, and their academicians cannot rewrite the Constitution by interpretation. Then they argue for abolishing it altogether and replacing it with a more so-called relevant document that is a document that ensures their monopoly power and destroys our founding principles. After all, how many times have they told us that the Constitution was written by slaveholders, perpetuates racism and inequity, and is illegitimate? Same kind of fraudulent approach is now before us with respect to Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Here's the text that these constitutional saboteurs in the name of the Constitution are desperately and cravenly insisting prevents former President Donald Trump from effectively running for a second presidential term. It says no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress, or as officer of the United States, or as a member of any state legislature, or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same, or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. You need not be an aging, retired judge like Michael Ludick, washed-up former law professor, like Lawrence Tribe, or never Trumper academician like these two knuckleheads from the Federalist Society, to notice that the word president cannot be found in this text. I'm not talking about electors for a president. The word president. So why would the amendments drafters, adopters, and ratifiers, and I use those three words purposely, people draft the amendment, two-thirds of both houses of Congress adopted it, and it was ratified, by three-fourths of the state legislatures. That's a lot of people. 
Why did all of them exclude the word president from the text, but include virtually every other form of office holder, federal and state, elected and appointed in the next, in the text? Did they forget to add the word president? Or could the reason possibly be that they did not want to include the word president and therefore intentionally did not? Of course, there's nothing anywhere that even suggests that the drafters, adopters, or ratifiers intended otherwise. It took two never-Trumper law professors, members of the Federalist Society, no less, joining the Democrat Party mob over 125 pages to try and convince us that by omitting the word president, not only did the drafters, adopters, and ratifiers intend to include the president, but the proper interpretation of the amendment and its construction and application made it undeniable and clear. In fact, so clear are these professors and their ilk that we're supposed to intuit the intention of the drafters, adopters, and ratifiers by, among other things, the words, quote, as an officer of the United States, unquote. So this phrase, we are told, should be read to include the word president. Therefore, there was no need, they tell us, to single out by name the most powerful and important governmental official in the entire country. Really? Consequently, the argument goes, of course the president was intended to be included in the amendment by general reference to officer. Notice they mentioned senators, congressmen, state legislators, state judges. They left out the president. Wow. But they meant to include it. That's the point. Now, did they also mean to leave out the Local South Carolina County Commissioner, he wasn't specifically mentioned either. So this is preposterous. For most people, the absurdity is self-evident. Indeed, if they intended to include the president, you'd think he would not only be mentioned, but that he'd be at the top of the list of all the officials included in the text. In fact, they even mentioned elector of president or vice president, but not the president himself. Hmm. Moreover, what does the phrase shall have engaged in insurrection rebellion against the United States actually mean? If you're going to bar the leading Republican candidate for the presidency from even appearing on a state ballot, thereby disenfranchising untold numbers of citizens who would like to vote for him and potentially alter the course and outcome of a presidential election, there be, should be some definitive way to know what this phrase means. And who gets to make that decision? Obviously, as the 14th Amendment is one of the so-called Civil War Amendments, we know what was meant when the amendment was ratified. Engaging in insurrection or rebellion on behalf of the Confederacy and against the Union, a.k.a. the Civil War. It wasn't very difficult to figure out who did or did not engage in such activities or what was meant by insurrection or rebellion. The Civil War. They didn't need law professors or members of the Democrat Party, that is the party of the Confederacy, to tell them. But did the drafters, adopters, and ratifiers intend Section 3 to apply beyond the death of the last Confederate? Of course, there's no evidence that it did, other than the wishful meanderings and self-serving declarations of the proponents. 
Strangely, however, if that was the true intention and purpose, the amendment doesn't provide any guidance whatsoever on how these decisions would be presented and resolved in the case of a presidential candidate or president. I say strangely because at the Constitutional Convention, the framers spent a great deal of time debating and working through the way they they elected presidents. They came up with the Electoral College system. It didn't take long until it was evident that even that process needed some adjustment. So the 12th Amendment to the Constitution. If in 1868 the drafters, adopters, and ratifiers of the 14th Amendment intended it not only to apply to a presidential candidate or president, but knew it could upset this intricate manner in which we elect presidents, upset the presidential election process, well, why did they say absolutely nothing about it? What are we supposed to do about all that? For example, how is it determined whether a presidential candidate or president engaged in an insurrection or rebellion against the United States when he's not been charged with, let alone convicted of such offenses? You won't find the answer in the 14th Amendment. That would seem to be an essential question in need of a definitive answer. Did the men behind Section 3 intend that a presidential candidate be barred from a state ballot based merely on accusations? And accusations from whom? The media, Democrat Party officials, operatives, and litigators, academicians, never Trumpers. In fact, the second impeachment trial against President Trump fell well short of the number of senators needed to convict him for the events of January 6th. As a result, he was not barred under Article 1, Section 3 of the Constitution from, quote, holding and enjoying any office of honor, trust, or profit under the United States. If anything, there was a constitutional adjudication in Trump's favor. Indeed, on January 4, 48 hours before the so-called January 6 insurrection, President Trump offered to call up 10,000 National Guardsmen to protect the Capitol building in Congress during the official Electoral College count. The Democrat Speaker Nancy Pelosi and the D.C. Democrat Mayor refused the offer. These facts are intentionally ignored by the Biden regime's special counsel, as they were by the Democrat Party's so-called January 6th committee. And they ignore it because a president clearly is not engaged in an insurrection or rebellion when he offers thousands of armed troops to do precisely the opposite. Moreover, does any serious scholar believe that the post-Civil War Congress was so committed to preserving this extreme notion of federalism that it would have written an amendment giving a single state the power to upend a federal presidential election? Would that Congress have believed when it was drafting and adopting Section 3 that it was granting power to a state official, say a Secretary of State or Attorney General, to unilaterally bar a leading presidential candidate from the state's ballot, thereby possibly affecting the outcome of a national election, or for that matter, even a state legislature? No way. In fact... The post-Civil War Congresses were mostly hostile to states' rights. Several southern states remained occupied military territories, and so they captured, uh, excuse me, capitulated to the demands of the federal government. This federal government was on a roll. It wasn't going to start handing out powers to the states, including the power to prevent a federal presidential election outcome. Putting aside all the issues raised previously, One can only imagine the Pandora's box this would open. It was not opened by the 
people who drafted that amendment. This entire movement is a vile assault. The electoral process directed a single individual, Donald Trump. There's absolutely no constitutional basis for it. However, if somehow it succeeds, the implications will live far beyond today. We're left not with the rule of law, but the rule of men. And in this case, the rule of the Democrat Party and its officials and operatives and their academic allies. The party of the Confederacy once again seeks to nullify the federal constitution and the nation's electoral system, disenfranchise tens of millions of voters nationwide, and push the country toward its breaking point from which we may never recover. This entire movement. It's worth remembering the Democrat Party and surrogates are a power-hungry lot. They're also driving out other dangerously illegitimate self-serving attacks on our voting system. How many times have we heard from Democrat activists and others that the Electoral College should be abolished? It's a racist system set up by white slaveholders to perpetuate racism, etc. Of course, this is another anti-American lie. The purpose of the Electoral College is, in part, to ensure that all parts of the country have a say in the election of a president and vice president, not just the most populous areas, and to prevent mob rule by way of unchecked majoritarianism. Thus, the Electoral College is an institutional block on the Democrat Party's efforts to monopolize our voting system, so they want to get rid of it, since most densely populated areas of the nation are run by Democrats. Democrat Party is behind another unconstitutional scheme that seeks to disenfranchise tens of millions. It's called the National Popular Vote Movement. That would circumvent the Electoral College and enable 11 to 14 of the biggest blue states by popular vote, throw their Electoral College votes to the person who wins the most popular votes in the country, ensuring the election of a Democrat in many cases. The Democrat Party is also relentlessly attempting to nationalize state voting systems. Remember H.R. 1? I have to break off here. Remember how they wanted to nationalize all the state election rules? This is the party. These are the people who cover from some odd-thinking professors organizing around a twisted fiction for banning Trump from the ballot and disenfranchising his would-be voters in advance of the election. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. bit of time, but after the bottom of the hour, I want to tell you about somebody named Najorde Meacham. Ever hear him, Mr. Producer? Now, you heard of this judge, Timothy Kelly, who just sentenced the head of the Proud Boys to 22 years in federal prison. He slapped him with the terrorism extra years at the demand of the, at the request of the prosecution. Mr. Kelly, having worked on the Hill for a period of time, also worked at the Department of Justice as a prosecutor, also worked in the notorious public integrity section, where the likes of Jack Smith and other reprobates worked. This Judge Kelly is part and parcel of the Department of Justice, FBI, Congress, Swamp. And he threw the book at this guy, 22 years. I don't know this guy. I don't know their group. But I also know the evidence is very, very thin to put him away for 22 years.
They can clone the others, but there's only one Mark Levin, and you can call him at 877-381-3811. Do you know, ladies and gentlemen, I believe the number is six individuals who've been hunted down by the U.S. Marshals Service at the direction of the Department of Justice for their activities on January 6th, and in many cases, if not most, they were peaceful activities. Six individuals have committed suicide. Did you know that, Rich? Is that not unbelievable? Six of them have committed suicide. It's also remarkable if you step back and you really look at what's happening to our government. If the President of the United States who won't secure the border, destroying the country, city after city, state after state, town after town. You have a Department of Justice that won't abide by the Constitution and the rule of law. You have an effort to take out a leading presidential candidate even before he's on a ballot. You have an effort to interfere in an election by federal judges in Washington, D.C., namely Chunkin. Then we hear all this talk about insurrection and rebellion by the very same institutions, by the very same courthouse against these individuals. So apparently the lesson is you can overthrow the government, but you just have to do it as a judge, a prosecutor, an FBI agent. Remember the House of Representatives of the President of the United States. Just do it that way. Not only that, you'll be viewed as righteous. As Bastiat said, using the law to commit crimes destroys the law. Najorde Meacham was 22 years old. I'm looking at his photo now. Joel Pollack wrote the piece on Breitbart. Young guy. Looks like a really decent young kid. Najorde Meacham, a 22-year-old nonviolent defendant charged with entering the U.S. Capitol during the January 6, 2021 riot, has died while facing prosecution for four misdemeanors. It would may have been a suicide. According to the Department of Justice, Meacham traveled to Washington with his uncle, Odin. Both attended the Stop the Steal rally at the Washington Monument before proceeding to the U.S. Capitol. Uncle Odin was arrested in May this year and charged with violent felonies, including attacking police officers with a wooden pole. But his nephew, George Meacham, was never accused of violence. The federal complaint against him includes several photos of him wandering around outside and inside the Capitol building holding a Trump 2020 flag. It states that he walked into the U.S. Capitol, then, quote, walked to a broken southern window, looked out, raised his Trump 2020 flag. He was later escorted out of the building by law enforcement. He did nothing violent or destructive. Didn't even resist them. 
After an obituary for George Meacham was posted online, our friend Julie Kelly, who has reported extensively on the January 6th trials, tweeted that she had been told by a very reliable source that he committed suicide. She said, I'm shaking. It's the fourth known, sorry, fourth known suicide tied to January 6th. The obituary for George Meacham, age 22, an entirely peaceful J6er who died two weeks after he was charged with four misdemeanors. Other January 6th defendants have been known to commit suicide, including Matt Perna of Pennsylvania, 37, who is also a nonviolent offender and had pleaded guilty. According to his family, Perna died of a broken heart. This young guy, 22 years old, you look at the photo of him, well-dressed, he's wearing his hat, smiling. He just knew he couldn't get a fair shot in that courtroom, Judge Kelly, Judge Chunkin, Judge Lambert, and the other reprobates with the black robes. He knew it was a lost cause. Four misdemeanors. He never touched anyone. He never broke a thing. He goes in there with his uncle. And he's treated like... like filth. Like a real criminal. By this system in Washington, D.C. This kid was scared to death. He didn't want to go to prison. It's obvious. He probably couldn't even believe that he was hunted down. Probably was totally shocked. I want to make a point to this judge, Timothy Kelly. Looks like a tough guy. Worked for Grassley. Had 4,000 different jobs. Was a federal prosecutor, worked in the notorious public integrity section that went after the Tea Party. He's a pal of the Comey crowd, the Jack Smith crowd, and all the rest of them. I don't care who the hell appointed him. Let me ask you something, Judge Kelly. You happy with yourself? You really think you stood up for the country, don't you? That's the lecture I read that you gave this guy. This guy means nothing to me. He could be the lowest of low lives. That's not my point. You judges aren't saving the country. You judges are gaslighting the country. You're infuriating millions of people. who think that you're throwing the book at these people. I'm talking about the nonviolent people. While your courtroom is surrounded by street crime and violence where people can't even walk the streets, where people are murdered and they're not prosecuted. This guy Kelly, this Judge Kelly, gave a statement today Accusing this guy, whose name I don't even know, this Proud Boys guy, the leader, of leading the effort. 
a violent effort to overthrow the country and to prevent the counting of electors. And this judge suggested he almost succeeded. Let me tell you something, judge. Nobody can succeed at that. You don't even understand American history. You don't even understand what's going on. We Americans do not support the violent overthrow of this country. We do not support people who violently attack police officers. We do not support people who committed violence against other people. That's the other people, the other side. That are let out of prison with a wink and a nod. But what we cannot stomach is the rounding up of 1,100 people. I read somewhere maybe 3,000 people by the time they're done, but they're out there trying to get 300 more who committed no acts of violence whatsoever. Like this young man. This poor young man who got caught up in this. He didn't break anything, didn't hit anything, didn't shoot anybody, didn't stab anybody, didn't even push a cop. The cop escorted him out. He went out peacefully, and that was it. Why are any charges being brought against somebody like that or why is any time even being suggested against somebody like that we have a guy named Barack Obama lady named Michelle Obama we are told she's the most popular Democrat in America and should have run for president they palled around with domestic terrorists who really committed acts of terrorism and violence. Some of them did absolutely no time whatsoever. They actually, actually set off a bomb in the Capitol building. How many people remember that? Who did 22 years for that? They tried to blow up the Pentagon. Same people. They were hoping to blow up the White House and the Supreme Court. Can you imagine, Judge Kelly, if you had their text messages? We didn't have texting at the time. Can you imagine if we had a terrorist statute of the sort that you've now applied to others? Can you? He's a professor in Chicago, living now off a taxpayer pension. The terrorists, the Puerto Rican independence terrorists in New York, murdered a police officer, blew up a pub. Jimmy Carter couldn't wait to let them out of prison. I should say Bill Clinton. And the chief dog among them, a Marxist who never showed any remorse, was let out by Obama. Even Clinton wouldn't let him out. What 
What about that, Judge Kelly? You didn't want the defendant today to mention Washington. Who did you want him to mention? The Weather Underground, Students for a Democrat Society, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama. Who should he have mentioned? How would that have satisfied you? Nothing would have satisfied you. Nothing. I don't want to hear about justice coming into that courthouse. And right down the hall, we have Judge Chunkin. Judge Chunkin, who's very excited about giving extra long sentences to men from Alabama, other parts of the South or West Virginia. How can you compare January 6th to BLM and Antifa and the riots of 2020, she said in so many words to one of the defendants and their lawyers? Imagine facing a judge like that. Imagine it. This court needs to be broken up. This cabal needs to be broken up. Congress has the power to do it. Subject matter jurisdiction needs to be spread to more objective parts of the country where there's more of a balance and a distance from the Department of Justice. Because the best I can tell is these federal judges, pretty much regardless of party, are the lapdogs of this administration. They're the lapdogs of the prosecutors. Some of them were close friends with and still are. That's not justice, Justice. That's not justice, Judge Kelly. One of these days I'm going to take a week off and I'm going to sit in each one of these courtrooms and just watch how they work. I want to watch some of these judges. Just sit in the back. The level of censorship we've had from this administration, we've never seen in American history. But that's not a threat to our republic, is it, America? Open borders with foreigners pouring into this country, fentanyl killing 100,000 Americans a day. Now that's okay, America. What's the big deal? That's not an insurrection. No, not in the least. No. Just get elected to office, wear a tie, wear a dress, or wear both. And issue executive orders and vote for these things. It's perfectly fine. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. When he faced the nation Sunday, I didn't watch, but Mr. Producer pulled the clip. Uh, one of the dumber uh, people in media, and they're all dumb, but one of the dumber is Robert Costa. He used to work at the Compost, and now he has a big job on Deface the Nation. And he's got our friend Nikki Haley as the guest, and he, they're talking about term limits for members of Congress. Now, ladies and gentlemen, like it or not, the Supreme Court ruled in 1985 that states do not have the power to term limit people running for the House and getting elected or running for the Senate and getting elected. Why? Because in order to change the Constitution, you have to amend the Constitution. That applies to Congress, too. That's why you had to amend the Constitution to term limit presidents to 10 years. So if Nikki Haley is going to run around and talk about this, maybe she can explain to us 
how she intends to accomplish that. Same with competency tests. You're going to need to amend the Constitution because the Constitution provides the qualifications and that's it, like it or not. I just want to say uh, to my son, Chase, who had to put his daughter-in-law, Taylor, had to put their dog down, Cairo, that uh, been thinking about you, buddy, and uh, we love you and wish you all the best. I'll see you tomorrow. God bless. God bless.